0: A Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So Liz, yeah. before we get to our special guest and good friend who's joining us today, I have to kick off our podcast with some really good news, just came across the wire last night. Okay. Andrew McCabe, oh. the disgraced, oh, yeah. disgraced, lying POS that he is. Um, By the very apolitical, Joe Biden's Justice Department uh, got all of his his, I guess, his firing reversed. Yeah. So not only does he have a clean record at DOJ, apparently he gets his two hundred thousand dollar pension. They will reimburse his five hundred thousand dollars in legal fees fighting his firing, you know, after he lied to his own agency, FBI, three times about leaking classified information and signed an unlawful FISA warrant against Carter Page. Um, He now is fully reinstated, will get all kinds of money back, keep his gig at CNN. And, of course, this is the same Justice Department trying to bankrupt and ruin regular Americans who went to the Capitol January 6th. But, and and McCabe, uh, one of the...
1: What? These are the people that are going to crack down on those crazy terrorist parents that are mad that their children are learning crazy shit in school and I think that's a good opening to introduce our guest so Julie introduce our guest
0: it is so I'm so happy to have my good friend Julie Gunlock who I've known for years and we started covering food issues And GMOs, et cetera, several years ago, and have stayed in touch. And she just does remarkable work while raising three boys. And um, she is also uh, a policy advisor and one of the big wigs over at the Independent Women's Forum, who also does great work. So we are so happy to have another Julie here today. Uh, Julie Gunlock, thanks, Jules, for coming on.
2: Hey, I'm so glad to be on with two of my favorite ladies. Thanks for having me.
1: I know Julie is like my kind of my neighbor in a way. So yeah. we haven't seen each other in a while because, you know, in the before times we did, but now we don't.
2: We're gonna have to go. We're gonna have to call me JG because it's what I know confusing
1: with all these so Julies. Julies.
2: Yeah, so how many right.
1: Julies? We should have a rule like yeah, wow, but one Julie.
2: But but Elizabeth, you're right. We are neighbors, and yeah, we used to see each other all all the time around town, attending different meetings and lunches and. But now we're all hermits, although I'm getting out a little bit more. All right. Well, that's good.
1: So let's dive in to the big issue that's in the news, which is this horrible situation in Loudoun County, Virginia. And yep. Loudoun County is a suburb of D.C. Basically, it's a, it's a nice suburb. Um, and there was a big scandal that is on I guess I would say selected news outlets. It's a big deal. It's a huge story, but only yeah. selected outlets are covering it. <laughs> right. It's it's outrageous. It's stomach churning. Um Julie, do you want to J G, do you yeah. want to describe the situation for our listeners who probably already know because our listeners are very smart.
2: Yeah, so this situation really is like, I mean, grab your barf bag because it is really horrible. Um, A couple months ago, um, there was, you know, sort of viral video of a Loudoun County School Board meeting where a dad got really angry. He was almost immediately like he was yelling and he was immediately sort of swarmed by police officers that were inside the meeting. Um, and, you know, he was shouting. He he did look very upset. He was um, told to leave. He didn't. He resisted. The police tackled him. Um, and it's sh- sort of like a famous kind of picture or, or well-known picture because, you know, his, her, his shirt ro- um, rolled up and his like stomach was exposed and he was like sort of dragged out of there. And this is one of the um, incidents that was used by the DOJ to um, request the FBI to start investigating parents. Well, it turns out that this father... Um, also, I'll just mention that uh, certain Never Trumpers also use that information to suggest parents are this massive threat mm-hmm. to the uh, to the country. Um, so uh, it turns out, um, thanks to Luke Rosiak, who does great reporting, uh, one of the few actual investigative reporters out there, uh, Luke actually talked to this dad to see what was going on, and it turns out that he was at that school board meeting. He wanted to talk to the school board about the fact that his daughter had been raped in mm-hmm. a bathroom. By a boy who identified as a girl and had a skirt on and was allowed to enter the girls bathroom because of Loudoun County's new transgender policies, which allow a child if he just says like he wakes up on Wednesdays like I'm a girl and he so because of he sort of had, a, a, you know, personally declared that he was a girl he is an intact male biological male walked into this bathroom after this girl and raped her and the God. charges are for anal rape and sodomy and for sodomy it's absolutely horrible oh my God. what happened to this poor girl so this dad God. of course now there were charges there were charges filed against this kid and you know what loudon county did they transferred the student to another school they kept it hidden they didn't there was no letter to parents about this incident in the bathroom. They transferred the student to another school where he he again sexually assaulted another student. Again, Loudoun County kept it quiet. Anyway, going back to the school board meeting, and I know I'm talking a mile a minute here, but this dad wanted to talk to the school board about this assault. And while he was up there getting ready to talk in the microphone, an activist walked up to him and said, I don't believe your daughter, at which point he <gasps> was angry and he started yelling. And that's when the school board ask the cops to intervene. And that's when the, you know, you see him being dragged out. So this is the circumstances under which you have the now Merrick Garland using the FBI and the department of justice and the FBI against parents for a dad who had a legitimate issue to discuss with the school board and had every reason to be upset And so, of course, this wasn't covered. Now, I will tell you, you mentioned media reporting on this. Uh, Thank God for WJLA, you know, Chris Plant and Larry O'Connor and the conservative Mm -hmm. media organizations that have been media sites that have been covering this. The Washington Post had a, a small small article about it yesterday. Never mentioned that it was a boy in a skirt who raped this girl, never mentioned the trans policies, just made it sound like this girl was assaulted, you know, just, you know, anywhere, um, but did not make the connection. And this is typical of the Washington Post and Hannah Nateson, who's the reporter on the education beat, they always miss these important details. So it it has started to get some sort of, you know, left wing media attention. um, But certainly, uh, they're leaving a lot out of the story.
1: What they do is they do this like really crappy job of reporting and then they go, oh, well, we've we've already covered it, you know, we've covered it. And it's like, okay, so no one thinks it's like messed up that the school concealed this from parents with children in the school. And then they they basically transferred a sexual predator to another school. And I bet the people at that school and their parents and the administration, I don't know what the administration knows. The teachers, the students did not know that a sexual predator was being transferred into their to the second school, and of course mm. the kid did, and the, this this boy did it again
2: yes. to another 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 student. I mean yes. that
1: to me is outrageous. The reason,
2: they, the reason they are doing this is because what they love to say is that incidents of transge- transgenders, uh, ch- I, I always think this biological male. Transgender students, so transgender, female, but biological male students um, uh, having these sort of rights to go into women's locker, girls locker rooms and having the, the right to go into the girls bathroom. They love this claim that there's never there's not been one case of of an assault or any problems. It's all just hunky dory. Right. And this proves that there are some issues here, some safety issues, which common sense tells you, obviously, this could be an issue. And um, so that they knew that this rape, this violent rape, um, would destroy that argument that the that women, that girls, young women are not at risk. And so they kept it quiet. They buried it. And again, you're right, was with, he was tr- this student was transferred to another school where he went on to assault another student. So I'm telling you, I think this is criminal. I think that this is criminally is. negligent, And I think that there should be charges. And I think this entire school board needs to resign. And I think the superintendent needs to resign. I think the principals need to d- resign. I think there needs to be a deep dive, some foiling of emails and find out what actually happened here. And I'm telling you, there should be some people in jail, along with McCabe, by the way. Yeah. Yes, I mean, basically, you could have
0: like ten Alcatrazes outside of Washington D.C. Yeah. and fill it up with all the criminals who run our government. I mean, seriously, if only. But explain where Loudoun County is for yeah. people who aren't familiar. What your uh, what area you're talking about in Virginia?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Julie, because it's funny. Um, you know, I, I live in Alexandria City now, as the crow flies. I am five miles from the capital really only takes me about 10 minutes to get, you know, over into the, the DC line. Um, I live just over the bridge in in Virginia, but very close to the, the sort of, Capital city. Um, hmm. Outside of that, it, and there's there's also Arlington. Arlington is similar, and that you know, okay. live, I know that's where you live. It's similar. It's just a hot skip, and a jump over a bridge, and you're in Arlington. Okay, so these it's are the miles closest,
1: from the capital,
2: right? These are the closest areas. These are sort of the closest suburbs. Then you go further out, and you get to Fairfax County, and there are parts of uh, you know, there are that that also comes as part of Alexandria, <laughs> Arlington, and that, but that goes further, way further out into Fairfax City. And some other towns that are that are you know this is the these are the commuters these are people who are in the car for an hour each day now beyond that is Loudon County and what we call Hunt Country and this is rolling hills and beautiful farms and some of the most expensive sort of estates and farms in the country and Loudoun County is I think considered the wealthiest county in the country um, and these are these are you know beautiful beautiful homes and really kind of wealthy neighborhoods um and so oh, that's yeah. kind of that's kind of how the outer rings but that is you know that's you know that's a good long you know hour plus in the car to get out there it's it's much more rural and the interesting thing about Loudoun County unlike Fairfax and and Alexandria City where Liz and I sort of live in the darkest blue on the color wheel Loudoun is mixed there's an awful lot of republicans out there and there are a lot of still if you if you're looking for moderate democrats they actually still exist in Loudoun County Mm-hmm. And they're not standing for this, they are not standing that now you do have and i I don't know if you guys have ever talked to Ian pryor, he's a Loudoun County parent. you know he talks about Chardonnay Antifa, which is hilarious and yes, I love that. there are some <laughs> lunatic lefty women out there who love all this stuff, right um, and so you you don't it's not all it's not all sort of you know right wing out there, but you definitely have a mix out there, and you also have a mix. Of, you do have some very wealthy people, but you also have quite a lot of working class and sort of, you know, middle income people as well. That's
1: interesting because I've always said that most of the people that are doing this performance um, wokeness, the minute it comes close to them, the Shit gets real for them, right? So it's yeah. cute to put up a picture of you reading like White Fragility on your Instagram, but when they're like, Your daughter's gonna be showering with someone that has a penis, like that's a di- that <laughs> those are different <laughs> things. So oh, yeah, the well, minute it gets yeah. real that's is right. when these people
2: are like absolutely not. Oh, let's, and let's so talk. talk about all this equity crap going on, and suddenly little Timmy can't get an advanced math because ladies equity. Means getting rid of the the talented and gifted programs and getting rid of the advanced track for math. So it's very Elizabeth, you nailed it. It's so funny to watch these women who are like, oh, I I I read Ibram X Kendi and I am in touch with my white fragility and what (laughs) what my genius can't get these advanced classes. (laughs) So you're right. It is kind of funny to watch these women kind of roll around and try to fit this into their, you know, they're trying to be these good little progressives. And suddenly, mm-hmm. you know, their kid isn't recognized as a genius. It's 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 kind of wonderful to watch.
1: Well, once and their this, kid gets raped or something, you know, um, things change a little bit for these because they get a dose of reality. I'm sorry, Julie, go ahead.
0: No, I'm sorry. And I mean, Julie, you know, we know these mothers who are like that, not only for the advanced classes, but the moms who have trained their daughters since, you know, they could before they could walk in any number of sports, soccer, gymnastics, whatever it is. Then suddenly it's like, oh, wait, she has to compete with a boy. Oh yeah. A boy can take over now and and erase all of our hard work and, you know. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in private coaching sessions and camps and travel teams and all this other BS that these women like to do because they now compete with other women through their children, not themselves. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, this is sort of a wake up call for them. But you know what I say to them? Fuck you, because you're the ones yep. who voted these monsters into power. No, so now I- that it's at, you know, now that it's at your front, you know, in your house. Uh, in your child's bedroom, in your child's you know future, this is what you guys brought to all of us. so, yeah. Thanks for not. Yeah, me.
2: I agree. It's re- it's really interesting, too. And in, in Alexandria, there's been a big battle over SROs. We have some very uh, yeah. loony, loony lefty city council members who voted to, you know, as part of sort of the defund police, the the George Floyd sort of reaction to George Floyd, the defund the police um, movement. And we have a, an organization within Alexandria called um, Tenants and Workers United. I mean, what does that sound like? It's total Marxism and mm-hmm. They are very active in the community and give lots and lots of money. They're of course funded by, you know, a national organization that has a couple billion to throw around, and um, I believe it's connected to Soros. And so they, you know, they get these city council members to remove SROs in the schools, and there is a brawl and a fight and incredible extreme violence every day. And you know, then when it comes time to put the SROs back, which is like sort of sort of a no-brainer, and you've got all these lefty moms suddenly like, oh. You know, little Timmy isn't safe at school. And so, you know, they're they're upset about it. And I'm like, you knew this was going to happen. You knew the agenda of these politicians. You knew this this was going to happen. And in fact, the SROs were removed before our city's primary. They were removed. People were worried. This was but the primary happened in the summer months. And. The two that voted to remove the SROs won the primary in a landslide. So it's not. And then the kids go to school. There's huge brawls. And now all these Democrats are like, oh, goodness, I guess I guess these guys are bad guys, you know, but I have no doubt these guys will get elected, reelected. I mean, in these in these. Wow. cities it is amazing the amount of punishment that these people will take the much m- amount abuse of abuse that they will take before they vote republican
1: you know what? i celebrate it you know what i mean i am a you bought the ticket now take the ride person i yeah. really am and unfortunately everybody's other people suffer you know like yep. your children or other people's children who aren't batshit insane and so yep. it's it makes absolutely no sense. SROs, I think, stands for what? Security Resource Officer. So it's yeah. basically like a cop, a school cop, a police officer, yeah. someone, you know, that can stop a fight or, I don't know, react to a gunshot, you know, some yeah. sort of a active shooter or something. And there is actually people that do not want this person, that they do not want this in their schools. It's absolutely amazing. And, you know, if it, I if my heart goes out to the, to the, the victims of circumstance that live around these crazy lunatics. But I'm all for that. Hey, you know what, if you're, you're you don't care if your kid gets the shit beat out of them, you know, broken bones or face or whatever knife. I don't know what goes on in Alexandria City schools. But you know, if they're if you're fine with that happening in your kid, then hey, great. You know, you yeah. you own that. But it really it, it's makes, astonishing. I,
2: Elizabeth, I tend to have that same opinion. But what makes me sad is we know that there is not school choice. And we know that people. Yeah. That that innocent kids are trapped in these systems. And I usually I agree that you pay for this shit. You take the ride. But this is the problem in Alexandria. The people who bought who buy that ticket, who vote for those monsters, send their kids to private school. OK, yeah. And they can afford private, they can afford to to, per, to help the fund that provides private security at that public school. I'm sorry, at that private school or to put security locks on the doors, or to ensure that there's staff that is, you know, that are trained in case of an active shooter situation. In the public schools, these kids are absolute prisoners to the fever dreams, the defund police fever dreams of these city council members who are being controlled by outside sources. And these city council members do not have children. I'm not kidding you. They do not have, two of them don't have kids. And three of them that voted for this and refused to reverse their their vote um, don't actually have kids in the public schools. So it is really I think I used to be much more of a yeah, you bought this ticket, you can eat it. But I do know. And actually, you know, I, I think I think you and Julie know that I pulled my two children out, um, you know, a couple years ago, once COVID started, we pulled the kids out and I'm homeschooling now, one of them. And I'm, I've got two of them in, in a, a private school. And it, it is an enor- it is an enormous financial strain for us, for myself, my husband and I, because we live in this extremely uh, busy or, uh, you know, uh, expensive town. I work for an yeah. nonprofit for goodness sake. And so, but luckily we were able to do it. There are just so many people who can't. And this is why We need school choice and I would say to people, if there's one issue that is critical right now, it is school choice. It frankly is, it is the human rights and civil rights movement of our day. Mm -hmm. And when we allow these people to put children in harm's way, the people voting for these policies don't have their children in those schools. Public schools really are becoming, it, an institution only for the poor now. I mean, I don't know a lot of people of means who will, who keep their kids in those situations. And yet those are the people with the highest rates of voter turnout. Um, and so, you know, they'll vote for these incredibly irresponsible lefty politicians because they don't have to deal with the consequences of the policies that are passed um, by these people. So, yeah. you know, I... And-
1: private school here also just for our listeners to know in the dc area private school is like the same as college tuition yes. it's like it's a it's the same as like a new york city you're talking 30 dollars 50,000 for most of the private schools not not all of them i have some friends that have their kids in like bishop ireton and in catholic schools yeah. and they're not quite as expensive but I mean, if you want to send your kid to a good private school, you're looking at like thirty or $40,000 at least, like where the Obama children went. Because you remember Barack Obama did not send his children to no. public D.C. school when he was president here. And most of the um, presidents with school-age children do not send their children or anyone who's sitting in Congress and the Senate, they don't have their kids in the, the public, public school system. No, you know,
2: and and they will, you know, it's it, it, you're right, absolutely. And it is fascinating. Even the superintendent of Alexandria Public Schools, Greg Hutchings, who's truly a moron. Um, like, I actually sometimes feel bad for him because I, I don't think he has two brain cells to, to, to rub together. Um, he sends his kids to private school. The chairwoman of the school board in Alexandria City sends her children to private school. Yeah. So the two most important people in terms of public school education in Alexandria, Virginia, do not send their children to the public school because they know it is a shit show. And so it tells you a lot when these people and, you know, and then on the city council, many of the city council members don't even have kids. So they, there is this completely, the, the leadership of the city is completely ignorant. It's the same in Loudoun County. I mean, Loudoun County and Fairfax County, they have school board members that, that, um, that sit on those school boards and don't have kids and have never experienced public school education in the area. It's really interesting. Inez Felcher who is at IWF as well has done, you know, some, she does a lot of research into, into education policies. And I talked to her once and she said something like 4% of the population turns out for school board elections. So you need to understand that in these communities, people are really not paying attention because who gives a crap about the school boards, right? Like if you don't have kids, if you're a retiree, maybe send your kids to private schools. There's just so many reasons not to care. And, you know, in in areas like Arlington and Alexandria where, you know, you're buying in this area so your commute isn't terrible, you know, like that, there's property price, property values are not so affected by the public schools. Not like you're in a small Midwestern town. Um, so it's, it's really, it's really hard in these areas, because you don't have high, you, you don't have a really good set of people voting for good candidates, people just don't care. And as a result, you get these people who only see a school board election as a stepping stone to higher office. So they actually don't really care either. So you get really bad policies because of the quality of person who runs her school board. Do
0: you think um, that? the Oh, go ahead, Julie. I think um, the only if there is a silver lining side from some of the things that we've already talked about, you know, starting to fuel more of the school choice movement. And of course, you know, politicians, when Barack Obama was here in Chicago, he didn't send his kids to public schools either. Right. Neither did the mayors. I mean, I don't think the mayor, the current mayor sends her daughter to public schools. I'm sure that she doesn't. So um, the only good thing about the left that you can count it on is that they always overreach. Right, yeah. so you have a situation now where it's one thing to mess with us, it's one thing to mess with our businesses, whether it's vaccines or shoving you know white privilege or fragility down our throats, whatever, but they've overreached when it comes to our kids, and I think parents are disgusted and fed up and heartbroken over what's happened to our kids over the past year and a half. The Washington Post just had a big piece today about what's happening at um, University of North Carolina. They've had two suicides, two other attempted suicides. They're calling it a mental health crisis. It isn't. It's not mental health. Yeah, These kids are being tormented and tortured by our political leaders, public health experts, and their lives are being destroyed and they're completely okay. hopeless. Yep. So they keep overreaching. So when they overreach into crit- critical race theory or they don't protect our they're not protecting our kids at school or they're now talking like Joe Biden, the monster that he is talking about uh, vaccinating five year olds with some who knows what vaccine. Yeah. I think that's when parents stand up, even the some of the gutless ones, even the ones who feel obligated to go along with the group thing and go, wait a second, not my kids. This is just a bridge too far. So yeah. and I do think that this is is piling up and the Democrats are going to have some some, you know, legitimate political consequences. But in the meantime, real damage is being done uh, to our kids, to their future, and what's happening all over. And maybe the real fight is at these school boards across the country. Um, yeah. Let's hope that that's the case.
2: I think you're absolutely right. You know, Julie, overstepping is a big problem, and you know, I've even seen it in my community where um, people seem to be more willing to vote Republican in this election. I mean, I, I, I sort of, yeah, you know, I'm not quite sure that's gonna follow through, but I have seen some people sort of come to the realization that they're a little bit politically homeless. They don't feel like there are moderate Republicans and or, I'm sorry, moderate Democrats anymore. And I will tell you this close. You know, I mentioned this sort of inner ring of the suburbs this close into D.C., you get, um, you know, sort of the high profile cabinet members. You have congressmen and senators who live around me. You have high level staffers. Um, and high-level federal workers, career federal mm-hmm. workers who make a lot more money you have lobbyists and lawyers and all sorts of people this, this the closer you get into DC but you're still in the suburbs are where a lot of the wealthier people live and again they they protect themselves they send their kids to public school to, to private schools They're part of a country club there are several country clubs around us that sort of keeps them around a certain uh, sort of a certain economic level um, who they they sort of you know socialize with. Um And they really do live in sort of the Charles Murray, Murray bu- bubble. They are not out there, you know, deal. I mean, they might deal with, you know, a working class person who comes to mow their lawn or fix their dishwasher. Made. Um, yeah, but they are not, um, they do not understand the average concerns and they certainly have no sympathy for that man um, who went to the Loudoun County School District to complain about his daughter and was not given a hearing and in fact was treated incredibly cruelly and then used by the media and the Department of Justice as an example of these out of control parents. Now, IWF was also the um, the uh, sort of the victim of a smearing by The Washington Post last week. And they put out this huge report uh, by this, t- this ridiculous reporter who basically said, like, we're we're um, uh, you know, we're encouraging parents to act out and act uncivilly and, you know, essentially be like J6, you know, just storming the dias, right? And in right. Fact, the letter, which was behind a paywall, which we then made public, was incredibly kind, incredibly polite. And the writer had, who's had the heat, the policy director at IWF, and she outed herself, you know, she actually said, I have tremendous in the letter, it says, I have tremendous compassion for the hard decisions that you're having to make. And this was in regards to masking. And so the Washington Post, again, not posting the letter and showing what was actually said, said we were trying to foment hate and Disruption and anger, and and you know, telling parents to get violent at school point with school boards. So the media, you know, this is all one big cabal, right? This is the media and the school boards and the Department of Justice and and the Biden administration all working together, which they've always worked together. This, the, the media, the Democrat Party, um, and 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 also can't forget social media in there and and some of these tech companies, you know, to, to really intimidate parents. So it's the same old story over and over again. And I think parents are getting tired of it. And as far as overstepping, I think that's part of overstepping because I think there are an awful lot of, you know, people on the on left to center people in this area that are also tired of this stuff.
1: Yeah. Like I said, once it comes home, you know, once it's like your own things that are being affected, it's not an Instagram photo or Facebook post or yeah. something, then people start to get really freaked out. Now, since you do know parents, you know, in your community, And maybe in Loudoun, um, do you think that people are waking up like enough to change something? Like, do you see any of these school board members getting voted off? Do you or even people that aren't like for me, I don't have kids, you know, but I would never vote for any, you know, I would never vote for anyone who supported this kind of thing. Do you think other people are, are seeing it or is it still is the information really siloed off to, quote, Republicans? You
2: know, I, I think that it's I think that that the left is really having trouble controlling this narrative. I mentioned Hannah Nateson over at The Washington Post reporting on this Loudoun County thing and, you know, not mentioning the fact that this kid was wearing a, this this so-called trans student was wearing a skirt and walks into the women's bathroom. And the reason that um, that wasn't mentioned is, again, it it disrupts that whole narrative of, you know, you know, trans kids just want to use the bathroom that they're comfortable in and will never be disruptive at all. So, and this won't be used by predators and, and, you know, using this, Oh, I identify as whatever. Um, So, so, you know, you have this coverage, but mercifully, thankfully, other media sources on the right um which should not be considered on the right they should be just investigative reporters giving the full picture of the issue um have reported this and so people do have the facts and so i do think that this is becoming tiresome and and parents do feel like they don't have the full full story um you know the the problem is and this is this is um A frustration for me. I find that liberals are unable to sort of fully consider an issue. They sort of stop short. They they say, oh, this S.R.O. thing is is a real problem. But they don't then connect it to the wider defund the police uh, uh, narrative and and policy push that's going on in this country. Or they might say, oh, goodness, it's really terrible that a, a boy in a skirt, you know, gained access to the girl's bathroom and raped that girl. Then they stop, they don't see it, they don't connect it to the wider problem of allowing, you know, these transgender policies that put girls at risk, which is being led by Democrats, you know, or they might say, Oh, goodness, you know, I, I really am worried about um, uh, school shooting. So then they go to the guns, not the SROs who can stop a school shooting, which are being taken out of schools by Democrats. So I find them all intellectually very um, uh, weak that they're never able to sort of take this to where it needs to go. We need school choice so that kids can get out of these rotten schools and not just rich people. We need SROs, not limits on gu- constitutionally allowed guns. You know, they, they, they I, I, I find myself in this, of course, living in this community. Just I am. I find them all tiresome that they can't sort of intellectually make these jump jumps to bad outcomes being due to bad policies that are being driven by Democrats.
1: Well, I think the left has been very successful at making it uncomfortable for people to not go along with them. And so you have that social factor where you need to appear to your cohorts, your friend groups, your, you know, whoever you're friends are you need to be saying the right things like again because you live in Alexandria and I live in Arlington every house Black Lives Matter you know the we believe sign like you have to put it up and then you know people are worried like if I don't put it up what are what are people going to think and so because of that I think the kinds of people you're talking about that that don't take it far enough they like literally can't you know unless they'll be shunned or turned into a pariah i mean look at that smith right is the last name of the gentleman whose daughter was raped at the school board look what they did to him they made fun of him oh he's this fat barbarian you know he's a dirty person he was some low life um you know and he was mocked i mean that's the and the left has been very successful at making i think very uncomfortable
2: for people to speak out what do you what do you think I totally agree. And I do think that there is that pressure. You know, it's interesting, Liz, I, you know, living in this community and living among these people has made me even more conservative over the years. You know, I've changed a lot politically and and on some things I tend to be more libertarian and on others I tend to be more conservative. But I've never turned left and and it's made me more certain of my beliefs and my principles. And it's interesting, though, that I, you know, I, I worked on the hill for I worked on Capitol Hill for eight years. I know a lot of people in this town, I've lived here for, you know, over 20 years, gosh, I, I'm aging myself, I can't even say 20 years now, it's closer to 30 now. And, you know, I will tell you, I know a lot of people. And I know a lot of people in my immediate neighborhood and community that I used to work with on Capitol Hill or new years ago, and many of them have significantly significantly, you know, sort of moderated their conservative beliefs and are now much more liberal. And so they have taken a turn left. And I think part of that is to fit into the community and is to be sort of liked and to find fellowship and community with your neighbors. Because after all, that's, 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 it's comfortable. And I think that if you don't, it's, it can be a little bit isolating and lonely. And that's certainly been my experience. Um, because I'm not I haven't moderated at all. Um, and so but I do think that, you know, you put the sign in your yard, or if you don't agree that you stay very quiet, you never raise objections. And there is a lot of pressure. And we see that kind of pressure. Now, this is a part of council culture. And it's not a perfect fit, because some people aren't canceled. But we see in the academy we see in journalism we see in almost in hollywood obviously in almost every major institution in the united states that you have to conform to a leftist way of thinking to a leftist ideology and if you don't then and you, if you don't want to then you should just be quiet and that's a path that a lot of people are taking is being quiet and that bothers me probably more yeah. than turning left
1: no that is true people are afraid to speak out and you can only kind of hope that in while they're quiet, they show up at the ballot box. But you do bring up a good point. I think I traditionally, nobody really pays attention to the school board uh, elections, even people with parents in schools. You know, yeah. p- people are busy. And I'm going to say use outside of D.C. because I think D.C. is a very special breed of person, you know, that are very politically attuned overall, but, you know, in regular places, people. parents are busy you know they're working they've got kids kids have activities they're busy they aren't they don't know who these people are they don't do a lot of they don't have time to do a lot of research and it's just kind of negligent a lot of times I think it's just people will vote for school board members based on whose signs they see the most you know the names that's familiar I mean I've worked on campaigns that's when we operate under that assumption you know and and so they don't know. But I do think now with all of this, like, woke garbage being shoved down, and certainly a lot of parents are angry about mask mandates and remote learning, Um, people, some parents, I think, more than just your regular people are a little bit more attuned. It seems like there's more at stake. But I'm really hoping that people take a serious look. I mean, you're talking about two girls that were raped in their school. Even adults need to report that they're sexual predators so their neighbors know. You know what I mean? You can look up and see how many sexual predators live in your neighborhood. And I just, I can't imagine being a parent and knowing that your kid was
2: in school with someone who had attacked and raped other persons. And again, I don't don't think this, I think this is, this needs to be prosecuted. I think that the that that this needs to rise to a level that there is a criminal investigation into the school ignoring this failing to warn other parents transferring that student who was at that point had been charged um and failing to warn the students in the new and students and and teachers and and well maybe the teachers knew but um parents in the new school and then that um That a student in that school also being assaulted. So this to me is criminal negligence. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not, I'm certainly, I've never been a prosecutor. I don't know what the charges are, but this better go further. And you know what? Hannah Nateson at the Washington Post should be ashamed of herself for not fully reporting this, but she has a habit of not fully reporting things. And the Washington Post, with the education beat here in in the Northern Virginia and Washington, D.C., and frankly, also parts of Maryland, has been absolutely shameful in their inability to fully report the facts. Parents are fed up and they are nothing but a mouthpiece for the teacher. When I say they, Hannah Nateson and her buddies over there at the Washington Post are nothing but Mouthpieces for the for the teachers unions for these abusive school officials and school board members and for policies like the trans policy trans bathroom policy here in Northern Virginia that have actually led to the rape of two children. They should really those are the those are the I mean look these this rapist this is and the school officials but Hannah Nateson and her buddies over the Washington Post are just as to blame for being quiet on these issues. And, and it is, it is so shameful that the people in this, in this community in Washington Post do not have reporters covering this the way they should.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is really a public safety issue. And yeah. I mean, it is, it's sim- simply, and, um, but I do wonder, even at the teacher level, how many teachers are really on board with this kind of crap? I mean, to some extent they're in danger too, especially with removing SROs, you know, um, yeah. they're, just as likely to be shot beat up attacked i mean there's always people posting yeah. videos yeah. on twitter of teacher remember slap a
2: teacher that sort of yeah. ch- challenge you know well, intensive care and let's talk about let's talk about liz i know you're on this beat as well you write about vaping everybody in yeah. their was having a moral freaking outrage panic attack because someone was vaping in the girl's bathroom, okay? Yet a girl gets <laughs> raped in the girl's yep. bathroom and everyone's like, anyway, next story. You know, it makes yep. me absolutely want to throw up. That, That's that a great we, point. We you have, know, it's like ju- you can't have a jewel in the bathroom, but rape, eh, eh whatever. Eh, yeah. yeah, so I mean, honestly, they had congressional hearings about vaping yeah. in schools. They pretended... The CDC pretended that there was this youth vaping epidemic, which we know is not true. Kids try it, but very few kids actually habitually vape. And certainly there's no turnover to smoking, much more dangerous smoking. So the vape thing, I mean, I just love the like complete, you know, panic about hair on fire panic about vaping. And and other chocolate let's not forget it's not just vaping, like it's everything, like you know, ev- you know, we are really supposed to be concerned about kids, and yet an okay, a anal rape apparently yeah. is not something we need to talk about. And then we need to as if this poor father isn't in enough pain, we need to demonize this guy. I it is just absolutely it's beyond it's beyond monstrous.
1: You know, I've gotta wonder, I'm sure you do as a as a parent how When your kids went to public school, like how much of this other stuff you don't even know about?
2: Well, you I'm, know my child did go to pub, my child, all my children went to public school. And one of the reasons we pulled them out was at, uh, when my child was in sixth grade, he was uh, he was beat up pretty bad by uh, by a kid who had a record of assaults and was in a special program for children who. Are schizophrenic and yet are mainlined into the normal no, school yeah, uh, classes. And he was he was beat up pretty bad. And that school refused to give me any information on the assailant, on what punishments would be, uh, you know, put forth for that student if he was going to be suspended, if he was going to be removed from my child's class. I got no information. So I will tell you, this is nothing new. Um, and part of the reason they kept that information from me was because they have, they've all, um, and certainly Alexandria's done this. I know in Arlington, they do this. And I know in Fairfax and Loudoun they do this. They're really big believers in restorative justice, which no. that's mm-hmm. the pro- that was the, the uh, discipline practice that was employed in Parkland down in Florida, where we had this terrible shooting and which cost 17 lives. And, and yet the, these practices, these restorative justice practices, which we know are terrible and essentially are victim blaming, where the victim of violence has to sit down with the ch- the person, the student that has, uh, that assaulted them, and tell them why and how they feel and all this, you know, baloney, um, and and essentially puts the victim in the same room as the assailant. And and this is what was employed in So We have a real discipline problem in the schools. We have a real problem with. Um, consequences. And I mean, you don't have to be a child development genius or scholar to know that if children don't have consequences, things go south.
1: Yeah, I and, was going to okay. say, why, why would they stop their bad behavior? There's literally no consequences. There's but no, back in the olden days when I was in school, and I think we're probably close in age, you know, these pe, peop- these kids were removed from our school. I went to public school and private school, but in public school, the kids, there was another school for p- these kinds of, of, of people, you know, you are the difficult, right? I guess not juvie, which is like a prison, but, you know, they were sent to a different, a different school. This idea that we keep them around yeah. is, is, uh, is astonishing, Um
2: Yeah, part of and the important thing to realize, though, too, is that there are there is money, federal money connected to these restorative justice practices, and they have to prove that the restorative justice practices have been successful. And so there is an incentive. It's a real disincentive for schools to report this stuff to police. And 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 there's an incentive to keep things quiet and hush hush. So. It's just the problem is is that what parents need to understand is the sort of data that they're getting from the schools on rates of violence, rates of fights, rates of, um, of violence in the schools is uh, is not true because they don't report half the things that happen. And this is true even when the SROs, for instance, my son when he was assaulted, we filled a we filled out a police report. We did not decide to um, to file charges because basically I didn't want this kid to harass my son for the rest of his life. But um, but we filled out a police report and yet in the that that assault never showed up in the school. The school has no record of it. They have no record of it.
1: And so So they can say, oh, look, we have no assaults here. There's no bullying. There's no problems here. And then they can get their federal biscuit or whatever they get
2: for that. They have the restorative justice. And this is why restorative justice is so horrible, because the promoters of restorative justice, who are basically also the same people who want to defund police and remove SROs, they can point to data and say, look, since we since we employed these restorative justice practices, there's been a reduction in violence, which the truth is that there's just been less reporting of violence and violence is still happening. So it is a terrible situation in schools. And that is why we need you know, there's a movement just it's it's a it's like, you know, just move away, get out of the public schools. And I'm kind of there now. You know, I, I really believe I do think people need to go to their school boards. I do think that they need to be a, a, you know vocal and fight back. But more than anything, I just really think we need to we need to dismantle the public school system the yeah. way it exists today. It is a dirty, rotten corpse of a system that needs to be dismantled. It does. And I have no shame in that. We need school choice, we need federal dollars to, to follow families, not, not these rotten institutions, propping up morons like my superintendent, who was paid a year, and then sends his kids to private schools. So we need this system to to really just disappear. And we need to give parents choice. Well, that's what happens right when
1: there's no competition and the schools aren't competing because you basically have a bunch of hostages, especially people that can't, you know, shell out five figures per child to go to private school. Now, I saw a story this morning that, said the Pennsylvania, I believe it was the Pennsylvania school board voted to remove itself from the national school board group and the. National School Board Group was the one who, I believe, urged the DOJ to declare parents domestic terrorists if they show up at school board meetings. Yeah. Do you know anything about the Pennsylvania situation?
2: No, but I, yeah, well, a little bit. I do know that they reacted to the National Association of School Board uh, letter requesting Mayor Garland to get the Justice Department and the FBI involved in these parent, you know, investigating so-called threatening parents you know like dads whose daughters were just raped um and and so they pulled their members and they were not made aware of this letter from the national association and and so they have now requested to leave and good for them right so you actually yeah. have reasonable people god bless but i will tell you something that's very interesting about these national associations we, you know, you, you have these national organizations like medical associations and, you know, child pediatric associations and all these, they're all these like professional organizations that exist to sort of represent certain industries. So again, I mentioned the medical field and there's also in academics, right. And, in, in you know, yeah. represent certain academic fields, these organizations, I actually looked into them because I was so appalled by some of the environmental activism i was seeing from some of these medical organizations and this happens all the time where a medical organization will go and complete will you know um will advise something that is in opposition to medical findings or scientific findings and it's because these medical organizations are run largely not by really practicing doctors but kind of activists themselves and they are activist scientists or activist medical medical people or um uh medical you know professionals and so these medical, these professional associations of, often do things without the sort of consent of their memberships, of their members. And this is an, a, a perfect example of this, this National Association national association of School Boards sort of acting in a way that's contrary to what their membership wanted. And so hopefully we will see more school boards remove themselves from this National Association. And this national association will suffer for this because what they did is absolutely horrible. School boards are supposed to be there to represent parents um, and to be their advocates, and now they're they see parents as the enemy. So I hope I hope there's m- many more school boards that pull out.
1: I agree. So let's switch topics. We only have like 10 minutes left, so I want to ask you um, about locally where you are, and I guess it's kind of silly because we both kind of live in the same general area, but we've had a lot of news about supply chain breakdown. Um, our our sec- secretary of labor was on paternity leave for a couple months. Nobody knew, whatever. Ships are um, backed up in L.A., Long Beach, just sitting there with cargo. Joe Biden has said, the Biden administration has said, you know, Christmas, maybe not, you know, order early, maybe not. There won't be presents. There won't, won't even be coal because that's banned because it's bad. Um, so are you seeing, uh, empty shelves in, in the, in your area?
2: Yeah, I have actually, I have seen some and I will tell you, I'm very nervous as the mother of three children, uh, three little boys. Uh, this could spell disaster for, um, for, for Christmas I'm, I'm planning on. Also, uh, you know, brushing up on my macrame skills in case I need to make them some sort of a macrame plant holder or uh, or, or some other thing that they'll immediately throw in the trash because who knows? Right. And, and the bottom line is, is this comes um, as people are continuing to recover from from COVID. You have Fauci talking about travel restrictions. You have the federal government. Um, um, putting, you know, uh, urging the airlines and airlines willingly putting in vaccine mandates, which is causing problems for travel. We have people in this country who haven't seen their family members for two years. I personally find that absurd that people didn't just go see their family members, but still, There are people so terrified, and and understandably so, because Fauci's out there constantly terrifying people. And so there are people who buy into this. You know, I can't blame everyone for not having critical, you know, thinking skills. Uh, But, you know, there are people that are terrified. And this was maybe the first year that they were going to get together with their families. And now Fauci is saying no, and the airlines are are causing trouble. And, you know, pilots are not on the planes. plus the supply chain. Sorry about my dog there plus the That's supply chain okay. problems it is it is really measuring up to be a disaster and i worry i just, I worry, I just
1: saw a story out. no thanks that there may not be enough thanksgiving yeah. there may not be enough turkeys for thanksgiving it's
2: yeah. like what what is going on here the one holiday that calls for americans to eat a healthy low fat source of protein and that might that might be canceled too so yeah i mean i look i i worry a lot um, about these supply chain problems and I worry a lot about the fact that we are facing all these problems, not to mention internationally all the problems. And we have um, a, a man in office with cognitive problems. So it's it's really uh, it's very troubling and um, and you know we'll, we'll just have to see how how things go but I would urge everyone to um, to buy early and and be ready yeah. and and maybe you know start watching a few, DIY Christmas ornament um, <laughs> videos on, on YouTube.
1: Yeah. So um, along similar lines then, or moving on, you know, I guess moving along from this, where do you, what do you think all of these things, you know, we just talked about the school board situation, supply chain and Thanksgiving and Christmas being ruined. What do you think is going to happen in the midterms?
2: You know, it's really interesting. I I think I mean, I hope for good things, but I will tell you, and you know, I've, I've already sort of beaten this drum, the, the media and you know, the, the tech companies, they have such a stranglehold on, on information. Information. Um, and I worry that people don't quite understand. I mean, it's like I talked about with Hannah Nates and reporter for the Washington Post, leaving out some pretty critical details about the Virginia transgender policy, which, by the way, is still in place. Okay, this young girl was anally raped by a boy pretending to be a girl or saying that he's a girl, goes into the bathroom uh, with her in a skirt and rapes her, sodomizes her. And, nobody's, and and that's the thing. Nobody's talking about the greater problem here, which, I mean, God, there's no greater problem than a girl getting raped, but I'm saying that there is a policy position, in play, a policy in place that could very well lead to more victims, and nobody's talking about changing that. And so I worry, and and, and again, when, when the Washington Post leaves those details out of the story, how are people supposed to vote, right? They don't know. And so I really worry about that. I think that we have a serious problem. And this is why I will tell you it makes me so angry when I hear never Trumpers have the audacity to say that like, okay, yeah, Trump was the major problem. And, you know, and conservative media, like the Federalist is a problem. Okay, yeah, no, 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 liberal media has been a major problem in this country. Uh, you know, as long as I've lived. Okay. And it's not getting better. In fact, it's getting, it's getting much worse. And I'm so glad when things happen, like, you know, today we saw, you know, the, the news of the, you know, the sort of Sanjay Gupta and Joe Rogan, and then, then Sanjay going on Don Lemon's show and, 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 and again, misleading the American public, even though he admitted on Joe Rogan that, Oh, you know, we shouldn't have done that. I mean, this sickness in the sort of mainstream Mm -hmm. media it does affect how people vote and how people you know are informed and i i really worry about that i do every day
1: yeah i think that you have good reason i mean basically people we we have a country where people live in two different worlds yeah you know that you you and i have access we, we have different inf- totally different information the kind of information and image images that people who listen to the legacy media do and it is very dangerous so julie gunlock thank you so much julie at the independent women's forum policy analyst fellow dc suburb resident awesome person (laughs) freedom vaping fabulous terrorism great (laughs) parent terrorist um anyway thank you for joining us and thank you for listening to happy hour and we will see you next week thanks for having me Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week.